What's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of FKB Full Kit Banter. I uh, hope you guys had a good Labor Day weekend, a good long weekend, uh, especially for those of us who are in Singapore. Uh, nice to have Lionel back, joined by Nate as well this weekend. It'll be the three of us uh, going through basically, because we've had football pretty much every day since the last episode, we have to go a little bit further back than this weekend, namely the the big one in Man City against Arsenal. We're going to touch on that a little bit, get some of Lionel's uh, thoughts on the game because uh, I believe it was the two of us that soldiered on at 3am to watch what what was possibly like the biggest game of the season. Um, of course, we talk about the results that went down uh, this past weekend. The game week actually is still in effect, so uh, more twists and turns to come. Uh, unfortunately, we will not be able to touch on the, the Chelsea-Arsenal result which is taking place uh, tonight actually but uh, we're going to do our best to sort of see where the game is going to be won and, and what Arsenal really need to do to, to set things right and at least put some pressure back on Man City but uh, Lionel, welcome back man, uh, uh, City top of the league for I think it was the first time this season right? I, I think the only other time was was very short lived when um, like a few hours. <laughs> yeah, and then and then after that we went we 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 um played Forest and then we drew against. That's them. right. Yeah, that's then right. Arsenal that was went back the up last again. time you guys beat Arsenal, right? That was the the reverse fixture at the Emirates. Yeah, yeah, the three right. one. Mm-hmm. Correct, correct. Yeah, man. Uh, hard fought. Had to sweat it out at at uh, Craven Cottage. Uh, what were your sort of takeaways from from that one? Yeah, I I think um that game. Honestly, it was kind of like a comfortable game, but I would say the star of the, the show was uh, Julian Alvarez, man. Like, um, I think right now Kevin De Bruyne after that that uh Arsenal game, he he wasn't really fit, so when Alvarez uh played, I think he's he slotted in just well, man. And like the way he plays, he he really adds that that extra touch of um. Uh, possess you know like when he when he plays it's it's very dynamic and it's very exciting to watch it's kind mm-hmm. of like you know when Luis Diaz plays for uh, Liverpool right I, I feel like it's the kind of like dynamism that he, uh, Alvarez offers but it's just yeah it, it, they are the kind of player who you know will be able to liven things up and, and bring a bit of unpredictability to the setup right like we saw with his goal like mm-hmm. not many players would you know, have the courage to take the shot on from there. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Alvarez has probably not seen as many minutes as he would like, but I'm sure, you know, he's only going to grow more and more into this side. But I-, I swear every time he's played, right, he's not had a bad game. Yeah. That's the, that's, he really that's hasn't. A, that's yeah. the surprising thing because um, when I, I think I did mention very early on in the season, um, when Alvarez, uh, when we signed Alvarez, right, I thought that, hey, this guy seems like a pretty good fit to replace Aguero. And then we go on and sign Haaland. But I still feel that whenever Alvarez is on the pitch, right, he, he seems to have really, uh, a really good game, like time and time again. Like he's always like uh, pulling his weight. And he's always like, he, I think he, he he's like goal to minutes ratio is very, very good. So, I think that's just one thing. And another thing is that um, I was honestly quite concerned um, if Alvarez were to leave. And I wouldn't blame him because I think 
a player of his caliber, right, should uh can would definitely fit in uh any of the Premier League teams uh starting eleven. But I'm quite happy that he actually uh extended his contract. So I think I'm looking forward to, to seeing more of him as the seasons go by and see how like Pep develops him. But I really like how how he how he adds this extra dynamism to the city team and Honestly, I think he was he was I would say the man of the match for the the Fulham game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's actually interesting that you brought up how Alvarez would slot into any Premier League side because we're, we're talking with Nate as well, right? And much has been made of like United sort of lack of a goal scorer besides Rashford at the moment. So is there any part of you that's envious seeing your like noisy neighbors have two like insane striking options, Nate? Yeah, I think everyone would be envious of it of of just how stacked this city team is. But I think credit goes to Alvarez. I was just looking up his stats, and the guy has fifteen goals, which is like, which is right up there with most teams' leading striker. And if you think about it, he's not even played like half or even started half of the, the matches this season. So for someone who mainly just does cameos and, and um, a lot of his appearances are from the bench as well, you guys are right. He, like, he, he gets almost a goal every game he plays, which is which is crazy. Which So 15 goals this season. Um, I'm looking at like the United team as well, and I'm just thinking, who in this United team has anything close to these numbers besides Rashford? And I guess the only one would be like Bruno because of like the pens and stuff that he does mm-hmm. as well. So... Finding an, like another striker. I mean, we do have injury prone Martial. We have a uh, press merchant, um, Vecos. <laughs> we don't really have another goal scoring threat. In pa- that passion kind of merchant. <laughs> <laughs> passion merchant. Um, but yeah, so I think yeah, any team would be lucky to have uh, an Alvarez in the team. And as you guys rightly said, I think a lot of them would be looking to to get. To, to see if they could get him as their main striker. I mean, he looks like he's quite happy being at City, but there goes the question, how long can you be happy being like the second fiddle? I mean, we saw it quite similarly with, I think what happened with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus moving to Arsenal to become the main man. I think that's where I can see that kind of storyline playing out again. Because Alvarez is still young, so I think he's okay in the role he is right now. But one more season of exactly like this I, I don't know you know what I mean I think he he may want more for himself and if he keeps up the form he's in you can see other big clubs like your Madrid's and Barcelona's coming into sniff so I I would be a little wary um, of just how how to hold on to him but I, I think it's just natural in his growth to, to see him want to become the main man somewhere else if not at City and it's hard to do that with Haaland la, so you know yeah. you know how you mentioned uh of Alvarez's age, the the fun the funny thing is that uh, Alvarez is one year older than Haaland. Yeah, I was just about <laughs> to say that. No, it's 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 a joke. Like it's so ridiculous. I mean, um, they're both young, but Haaland is just a machine, all, isn't he? Yeah. It's hard to displace him. Uh, ironically, fifty goals for the season already, uh, making an absolute mockery of the Premier League. But. I mean, moving forward, right, like, before we, we move on from Alvarez, I think there is a genuine plan B of sorts to play the both of them. Perhaps mm-hmm. in, in games where, you know, they are expected to maybe be a bit more direct. You know, you have two, like, 
deadly finishers up front whereas maybe in in games where you need to be a bit more expensive and wide you perhaps could then go the the traditional route with just Haaland but I think there are options there and like Lionel has mentioned several times in previous episodes right City next season are regardless regardless of what happens in the last month uh, I think there's going to be quite a big shake up at City so Alvarez might find himself you know, perhaps having more opportunities on the right, if that's something Pep wants to do, or I just think there's so many alternatives for this City team. I because you can be sure if people leave, they're going to be bringing in people of the same, if not better, quality next season. 100%. I think looking at, I think that kind of gives a, a little bit of a comparison or, or something very similar that's happening right now is the case at Newcastle. When you look at two right. informed strikers in Callum Wilson and uh, Isak as well, the two of them are actually vying for. Um, well, I think Newcastle generally play with a one-up striker, so um, they've always been subbing for each other, right? Um, but recently, we've seen Isak kind of playing a bit more of a attacking winger kind of um, um position on the left, and he's been. Um, he's been fantastic like I think his dribbling skills and stuff are things that we as viewers weren't really completely aware of because as a striker he's usually just trying to get on the end of things instead of picking up the ball early but I think we've kind of seen how Eddie Howe has kind of set them up to work as a pairing and it's been really deadly so if Pep can do that with um with Alvarez and Haaland I think that could be really good as well but I don't see him really playing as an attacking winger but I like where he is right now which is just behind the main striker Mm -hmm. in that pocket where I think very similarly to uh, David Silva if you go back a couple years where he's he's got a bit of that freedom and he's got the range I think that's the difference because unlike Haaland who who does have the pace Haaland tends to I think score most of his goals within the box I don't really have a stat for it, but like from what I can tell, most of his goals come from um, running from deep and then scoring inside the box or actually being quite uh, like a poacher. Whereas Alvarez has the range and we just saw in the goal that he, he recently scored, he's got the the technique as well to, to hit them from distance. So I think that's mm-hmm. a very good sweet spot for him. But to displace someone like KDB, that's going to be difficult. So I think he will still have to, to spend most of his time Coming off the bench, I think there's very tough. there's not mad like unless you get in Pep's bad books right like what like kind of like what Cancelo did and Walker to an extent. Pep, I think there's so many as much as I hate the ball fraud, <laughs> I have to take my head off because he's not only a revolutionary tactician but his man management man. It's he it doesn't feel that warm in the sense, but he, he's just able to get the best out of almost, at least at Man City, everyone he's coached. And let's not forget, this season I think City have been quite uh, fortunate with, with Haaland's fitness. I think there was a bit of a worry when City signed him uh, because of his track record at Dortmund and Salzburg before that. But I think apart from the, the odd knock, Haaland has played most of the game, so... Obviously, knock on wood if you're a City fan, but it is very reassuring to know that your number two is the quality of like a Julian Alvarez. 
Which brings me to my point uh, of the main rivals in Arsenal, right? We saw what happened last week at the Etihad. It was a complete demolition, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But what I'm, the, the, the comparison I'm making here is that if Harlem were to get injured or if KDB were to, were to sit out, City had the ample replacements. But with Arsenal, it was very clear to see that they didn't have someone to step in to fill that void of William Saliba. And I know Holding scored and I know Holding um, has done good things for the Arsenal. We have to call a spade a spade and that he's probably not someone who's going to win you the title. What do you think about that assessment, Lionel? Yeah, I I think I think in, in our entire chat it was only you and I who were watching the game. Right? Because I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean to I mean to be <laughs> fair I mean to be yeah. fair it was like at three AM at such an ungodly hour. But yeah. I think I think this is like the match to watch. I thought it was gonna be more even, but yeah, in yeah. hindsight I, I probably should have known better. Yeah, exactly. It's like when when I was watching, right, I I, I was I kind of had a, a, a very nervous um a take on the, on the game like, before it started but when when I saw like City like ran the first 10 to 20 minutes I was thinking okay maybe Arsenal will be the kind of team that will bounce back but it looked like they never found their rhythm through the entire 90 minutes and like no. it's it's yeah. very it's very prevalent like what you said that they are really really missing Saliba and it's not just that it's that they do not have like the luxury of like Man City that we can just like have uh, certain players to fill in uh, certain gaps whenever players get injured, right? It's very noticeable when uh, the Arsenal players, especially their first 11, are not fit enough to play. It's like when, when they play their, their second choice players in whichever position, you can tell that there is a drastic drop like in the level, in the quality of players. And, and like, I was so surprised with how Arsenal didn't show up. And it's not just that um, in most games when Arsenal don't show up they eventually like realise that it's time to fight back and then suddenly they just switch on and then they fight back right like against Southampton against Bournemouth but I think with um, City putting in so much pressure on them right I think they just couldn't find that that spark that that could ignite them to get back into the rhythm and like mm-hmm. I think 4-1 is honestly a very fair score um, yeah it's, uh, they, they it's, almost it's, hurts yeah, to say, but yeah. yeah it's very justifiable yeah. score and it's very comfortable and I think the the icing uh, sorry the cherry on the icing right was at the end when Harlan <sighs> let down his hair and did then he and, yeah commercial. he did a L'Oreal commercial and then it's like suddenly he went Viking mode and then he scored and honestly I think Harlan he had, he had many chances before that if you remember oh yeah could have had a hat trick yeah, yeah could have had a hat trick it's just yeah. that maybe he, he, he wasn't finding his his groove but I would say that you know Kevin De Bruyne big game player and he mm. showed up he showed up the previous time at the the, the Emirates, Emirates yeah. and then he showed up again at the Etihad so I think big up to De Bruyne definitely mm. my man of the match and I would say that you know it, I mean uh, I think in previous episodes I did say that um, it is Arsenal's title to lose and I still feel <laughs> that and, and, and back then the I said that Arsenal and I say that back then, um, Arsenal are the favourites, right? Even until the Southampton game. Right now, I honestly think that um, it doesn't really look good for them. Uh. Like, it's, 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 uh, I think even the most staunch of Arsenal fans would admit that... I, I'm not saying you should admit that it's done. I, I certainly wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But in your heart of hearts, right? 
you have to recognize that dropping those six points against Liverpool, West Ham, and Southampton were the did more damage in the City game, mm-hmm. especially the West Ham game. I I feel that one was really a bit of a Im- implosion. Like they were so comfortable, and we 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 can we can talk about this a bit later when we get to Liverpool Spurs because there were a lot of parallels, but. Mm-hmm. I think that is the one come end of the season where the players and the fans would really go like ah we we, we didn't show up at Upton Park or we did for like or London Stadium we, we, we showed up for 20 minutes and then we, we sort of didn't get the job done and people are going to point to the the age of this Arsenal team right like like their lack of experience but I think you also have to give City credit for the way they just dominated that game like you we talked about it offline it was men versus boys right mm-hmm. uh, as much as Arsenal didn't show I think City almost didn't let them and you see this kind of unfold more and more frequently actually at, at between two very top tier oppositions some matches like the score lines are like 3-0 4-1 just like washouts and on the day sometimes the opposing team just doesn't have the answer for it. And I think that was Arsenal uh, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. Like, I think um, just one more thing to add. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I type, I think the first comment I, I, I mentioned in the chat was like, um, it, it's like a man versus boys, right? Like, when, when I feel like every single player in the Arsenal team, honestly, apart from, I would say that, um, maybe a player that was really trying Go aside was rope holding. But I could tell that whenever City uh attacked, right, I could I could see the fear there was a in fear. there yes. was a fear in all the play yeah, on the Arsenal players' eyes. La. And like mm-hmm. you know, players like Gabriel who was who is supposed to be Arsenal's linchpin at the back, right? Like he was so bad. Like he was so bad. Got and like uh, yeah. yeah, and like players like Xhaka and I think like Martinelli didn't even get like a sniff of the ball. So um like I think I think the 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 the, the word um that many commentators use now is capitulation, and I honestly think that that is a word that is very befitting of Arsenal's performance uh, last week. So, if if they don't beat Chelsea tonight, who are in their own way a horrible team at this point of time, <laughs> I I think it is really. Yeah the end for Arsenal in terms of having any hopes of winning the title race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that you brought that up because that was what I was gonna... We were gonna talk about Arsenal-Chelsea which which takes place tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Like Arsenal, big London derby against one of their most bitter rivals. Like you mentioned earlier, Chelsea pretty much have nothing to play for anymore this season. They're out of Europe. Uh save from relegation and I'm not even saying that as a troll but they are like their level of points with Bournemouth right if Bournemouth was in the relegation discussion last week we have to like we have to say Chelsea are as yeah. well but I think they'll just have enough because the teams below them are just not doing it but it's funny right like y- Arsenal aren't coming into this riding high on confidence either and all the pressure is going to be on them. Chelsea are just going into the Emirates as like party poopers, man. It's almost like, not even party poopers, it's almost like two, like executioners. Final nail in the coffin, right? Like, that would be so, not even unexpected at this point. 
especially if they score first. I think if and Chelsea don't score that many goals, so if somehow they can get the they can take the lead at the Emirates, get the fans sort of against their own team, could be a really rough night for the Gunners and ahead of a even more difficult test in Newcastle this weekend, I think tonight's game is without doubt like all games are must win, but this one is like for 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 bragging rights as well. Because you don't want Chelsea fans to tell you we ended your title charge. Like, you just don't want that as an Arsenal fan. Uh, what do you think, Nate? Do you think any sort of hope for this beleaguered Chelsea side? Do you think they care enough? Or do you think that there's a twist on the cards? I think you said it right a bit earlier, though. They don't score a lot of goals. So mm. they've only scored one in their last five games. That's That's... That's tragic. That is terrible for for a team like Chelsea with how much they've spent. I think I don't want to harp on it too much, but like they've got on paper a lot of attacking threat, but it's really like it's come to almost nothing this season and that's really hard to say for, for any sort of like person who's a fan of Chelsea because if you look at their I mean what they've gone through, the change of managers and everything, even I don't think that they they can put up much of a fight. I I know Arsenal are kind of going into this match like wounded animals, mm. and they've got um they've kind of been cornered now, right? Like that wounded animal in the corner. I think they've got to just come out scratching, and I think to take it out on Chelsea, who are in no real position to defend themselves. I think I think Arsenal will get it, but I don't want to FKB them. But I think. <laughs> I think there's no BK, chance. BK, BK, like, <laughs> BK, BK yeah. scolding me somewhere right now, but like, yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at their results recently and like losing two 0 to Brentford and I mean they lost to Brighton, who are a much better team. That than Brighton them right game now. was a real eye opener for me. Seeing just how bad I know the scoreline only finished two one, but yeah. Chelsea like just got beat down, man. Like picked apart, made which is look. Exactly. Rate at home. When yeah. when you kind of said that um they were closer, they are safe from relegation. The reality is that they are closer to relegation kind of like teams than they are to the top few. And we're talking about an Arsenal team who only of late seems to be kind of like a bit low on confidence. But this is an Arsenal team that has been more or less dominating the league for the most of this yeah most most of the season and their attack when in good confidence is unplayable un- unmatchable and so I don't know I, I, I know that they're quite low on confidence right now but they have like I, I did say a couple of episodes ago they have to treat this like a finals now they have to win this mm-hmm. they can't afford to go in hoping for a draw that would do them no good at all so they've got to win to to put any sort of pressure on a Man City team that feels close to no pressure so yeah yeah, yeah. I don't think it's, Chelsea yeah. And like I said, Chelsea, if there's one team in the league right now who are literally like on the beach, it's Chelsea. They have absolutely nothing to play for besides, I don't know, hope, hoping that the future manager comes Shop in. window, yeah. right? I know. Yeah, like, 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 I your, mean, your, your Pulisic's, your Ziyech's want to like... But what's the point of putting in the effort now? I mean... Secure a move away, perhaps? I think they're already. It's more like it's not even like a team mindset. It's more like an individual. Like I need to do this for myself, kind right. of. Right, but like mm. then they would need to get like Frank to notice them and want to give them a chance and all of that. When yeah. he, for whatever reason, 
has nothing much to play for as well besides personal pride and faith, yeah. I would say at this point. So it's it's not a great look for Chelsea. I think the last few games, whatever happens is is not going to affect them majorly in any sort of way. So they can't really push for Europe. They can't push for... They, they, they are quite safe from relegation. So yeah, I think it's just like you said. What a to, shame. To be the party pooper. I, I would have loved like a... <laughs> I don't want them to go down because I think that they would just right? yeah it wouldn't make it would just be like too fried but seeing them on the last day with the mathematical possibility of going now would have been like A1 <laughs> just so I can say that I've seen it once in my life like Chelsea had to like survive on the final day but yeah I think any other team or if Chelsea was playing any other team away I would say for all intents and purposes, give the other team the points. But because it's Arsenal, because of what's at stake, if Arsenal don't win, I think Chelsea will show up. Whether they win is another thing. But I think they'll show up. And I I, I don't think it'll be plain sailing for Arsenal. The the cherry on the icing, as you guys have said, would be if our man, Mudrik. If Mudrik <laughs> scores, or even scores, like, the, the equaliser or the winner, like, the Premier League's rigged, bro. <laughs> you can't tell me otherwise. Watch him do, uh, like, what Liverpool did to Tottenham. Right. <laughs> and score in the 90 plus, I don't know. Oh my so you know what would be the most, you know what would be the most funny thing? If Aubameyang scores. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what am I even talking about? Mudrik is, like, chalk change. <laughs> like, Alba scoring and doing, like, a front flip. <laughs> Oh, no way watch dude. him do like um, Adebayo style no <laughs> way down and that, then <laughs> the Emirates would go into full on like meltdown like there would be riots the game would have to be called off oh my god um, yeah man Arsenal Chelsea uh, I do not think I'll be catching that one but uh, lots on the line uh, huge implications on the line if Arsenal can sort of get some momentum back I'm not saying they're gonna do it but at least for neutrals, I kind of want to see it mathematically go right till the end. You know, like like with Liverpool last year, it wasn't much of a... It wasn't like a super close race. It was like, you always felt City were in the driver's seat and we needed like a big screw-up, which we almost got on the final day, but mm-hmm. Gundogan spoiled the party. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, it's at least mathematical for Arsenal right up to uh, right until the final day but they'll have to get it done tomorrow um, since you brought up Liverpool Spurs right why let, let's go from there because uh, this could have been a very different podcast <laughs> if Jota didn't score that goal because uh, f- firstly I would be like fuming <laughs> I, I would be so done with football this season. Yeah, and, and primarily my season would be over. Mm. Like, top four is still uh, a long shot, but at least we gave ourselves a chance with that win. But uh, what can we say about Spurs, man? It, it is it, the history it really was of the most Spurs thing ever. <laughs> it really is. Like, I think that game summed up both teams to a T. Like, on Liverpool's hand, you have that ability to blow anyone away but you also have the defensive frailty the, the not defensive frailty like the mental anxiety like they look so anxious this mm-hmm. isn't like I, I I feel like Enfield sometimes brings about that anxiety 
It's it's very weird. But isn't um, it odd? Like why why didn't they just um because they were really like scoring goals really early on. Yeah. If they had just kept their foot on the pedal, they could have done to Spurs what they did to United. But I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you one thing, right? The the reason why, it, which is why I compared this to the Arsenal West Ham game, it was almost too easy. And when I say that, I really mean it. Like the Spurs midfield was non-existent. We were cutting through them like like a hot knife through butter. It was really too easy, which is why, uh, in our chat, right, I I would have had some serious explaining to do had Jota not scored there because I was, I made the cardinal sin of of being a football fan. I celebrated prematurely. I did an Andrei Shevchenko in the <laughs> 2005 Champions League final. I kissed the trophy before the game was over. Uh, yeah, and they just lost their way. I think Spurs, once they were 3-0 down, once they steadied the ship, they just went for broke. And we didn't know how to manage it. Which I think is a big problem with Liverpool. Like, um, They do not have the game management ability that Man City... Bayern Munich maybe last season or two seasons ago or, or Real Madrid have we we don't have that I don't have that confidence in my team to kill a game off um and we're almost stuck in two minds like we like to play this possession based football but it doesn't lead to anything you know we'll just pass it pass it pass it and then eventually there are no outlets and we just go backwards and then we heat pressure on ourselves so that's something I hope with reinforcements next year gets gets looked at because uh, I think that's a big reason as to why we concede so many goals this year. Another reason is that we just, unless a team plays like the way Spurs did in that first 20 minutes, we find it very hard to break oppositions down. There's just not enough variety with the way we attack. It's very slow. It's very slow build-up, which is very... Not what you would associate Liverpool with, right? No, but it's that's the problem, right? Because y'all play a, a brand of football very similar to United in the sense that y'all like to have counter-attacking football. Y'all want the defense line to be a little bit higher so that you can run mm. behind. But Correct. against a low block, we've, it, which has always been something that was very interesting because in the past, um, when Liverpool were... And that's just looking back maybe a season or two ago y'all were still able to get that goal because of the... I think maybe it was just the overall tempo of your game. If you move the ball quickly enough, you can uh, drag the teams around and then create some space to play something not really like a counter-attack, but because of the space, right, then you can have runs. But I think this season, as you've rightly mentioned, and maybe because some of your players are not really like... Thiago hasn't been playing much, but Thiago is one of your tempo players in the midfield Mm. area. Fabinho was a little bit sharper last season. This season, it's a little. I think. I think the word is. It just looks a little bit more labored. Like the the run the the runners aren't really running. So then you're not dragging the defenders around and creating the space for someone else to run into. And so then it kind of is like you you look up and then you realize actually there's no pass. No pass is on. So you just have to play the ball back. And yes. I, this is an issue that I, I see a lot with United as well. Um, the only thing is when you do have a player like Bruno who just hits that that pass regardless, right? Then someone makes a, a dash for it and then suddenly the game becomes alive for a moment and that's because there's a bit of chaos. You know what I mean? Like suddenly the ball is played into a space and then everyone loses shape 
both the United team and the um, whatever opposition we're playing against. Um, so I think that's the thing for Liverpool as well. Like, who's going to just play the ball for someone to run onto and in that chaos create some something, some magic? Exactly. I think I think you could do that because you do have the players. I can I can imagine that um, from deep, like Van Dijk just hits a ball somewhere to the front and then either Salah tries to get on it or defender hits the ball back into an open space and then you pick it up from there. And in that chaos, you create something. I think that could... It's, it's quite... I would say this is not really tactical football, but it is kind of the hit it and like just see what happens kind of thing. I, I, I would like to see a bit more like intelligent pressure. Like right now... Like, like what Arsenal earlier, does the, the w- and what City does. Correct. Like City don't seem to be affected by the low block as much as any other side. And clearly it's because they've just found a way... They, I mean, every team that plays City, especially away from home, they, they sit back for their lives, right? It's part of the game. Liverpool, it's... I think they just need more tricks up their sleeves. I feel like Pep has uh, reinvented the way City attack just to keep things interesting and keep other teams guessing, right? But with Liverpool, it seems a bit too familiar. Like, other teams have sort of understood what they should be looking for and I know this new inverted trend thing has been working well and I hope it continues but we need to find more more outlets to to be offensive because I just didn't see enough against Spurs after we went 3-0 up and the way we control games or the way we like I think the best teams are able to break the 90 minutes down into segments and Liverpool just don't seem like they have the ability to do that. Like when Son made it three two, right? Uh, my you know my pessimistic nature was like, oh my god, it's it, they're gonna they're gonna equalize and it's probably gonna be the Birdman to do it because <laughs> why not, right? But but I think they equalized with ten minutes plus added time to go, and I didn't see a reaction from Klopp. I didn't see a reaction from like Alison Van Dijk you know that Spurs are going to throw everything, right? And I think our answer was like, bring on Milner. And Milner ironically gave the free kick away, which which led to the third goal. But yeah, the, I would like to see us be a bit grimy sometimes, you know, like, you know, kick the ball out, you know, get get an injury. I know it's not the prettiest way to go about football, but sometimes you have to play, the, you have to use the dark arts or be a bit grimy if you want to get over the line and I didn't see enough of that Enfield or you uh, could just keep up the the attacking like I, I feel like Liverpool as much as I don't think you want this to be the, the way forward but I feel like for a Liverpool team attack is your best defence as long as you're continually attacking teams they find it very hard to um, get out of it it's only and we've seen this over the season I think when mm. Liverpool kind of ease up a little bit try to do just possession holding that they make some exactly they make problems for themselves exactly yeah. yeah as long as they are, they are still running at you it's very hard for most teams and i think that's the difference again because in previous seasons that team just looks like full of running but this season it's just a bit more labored the, like i mentioned a bit earlier the runners aren't running and and in that kind of scenario um that doesn't fav- favor the liverpool team mm. i think yeah uh, like the last few thoughts on that, I think you, you make an excellent point. From my from where I was sitting, right, we thought the game was done. That's what I really believe. It, it just boils it comes down to uh 
lack of a hunger. Like, sometimes I wish Liverpool can be like, you know, that the German team of old or even Bayern Munich, right? Like, they don't stop. They are not embarrassed to like, whoop you like, 8-0, 7-0. Like, they are, for lack of a better word, very like, they are, they are bastards on the pitch. The way they show respect to their opponent is by Playing absolutely the just <laughs> killing them. And I would like to see more of that. The last time we saw that with Liverpool was against Leeds. Uh, and I thought against Spurs, right? Especially having them having just been beat up by Newcastle and then the United game where they came back. Uh, I thought they were there for the taking, but the moment we, we let our, our boot off their throat, they grew in confidence. And I think the United result played a, a bit of gave them a bit of a boost seeing as they had just come back from two down against United in midweek so a bit more cutting edge a bit more killer instinct from Liverpool would be nice but uh, I live for these last minute goals you know this like I'm going to remember this game for the rest of my life Uh, and I think Jota who didn't start if you look at his heat map I don't think he, he had many touches after coming on the field so for you to do that in the 94th minute on your like so-called weaker foot I think they have a weaker foot he's so clinical (laughs) exactly I I just thought it was an insane finish like the control the presence of mind to anticipate the mistake from Lucas Mora I've very high praise for Jota and I hope he can stay injury free next season ice in his veins and mm. in the 90, what was it, 96, 97th minute? Yeah, you're right. Like, you have to be so calm to not just sky that over the bar and hit it with, like... Honestly, it's insane, yeah. Like, I think yeah, that was his only shot on target. So, for you to do that, like, we have to have a 100% success rate. <laughs> yeah. When the emotions are so high. Because exactly. as much as the Spurs players were, like, celebrating, which they rightfully should... After they, they equalized, the Liverpool players, you could tell half the team was resigned to like, ah, shit, we weren't good enough. You know, we, we let this happen to ourselves. And then there was maybe two or three, like, I know Trent was one of those who was like, shit, we still have time. Uh, I think on the, on the left, I know Milner was one of those who was very like, I I effed it up, which is not one you want to see from Milner. You want to see him like calming things down, right? But it looked like he made things more anxious. So I'm 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 glad to see that despite this bad season, we still have the mindset of, you know, it's not over till it's over. I think Liverpool and United probably have the biggest reputation in England for being able to do that. Arsenal have done that a few times this year. Uh, so yeah, that that's one of the positives I take from the weekend, but uh, after the high war off uh, I, and, I, and I looked back on the game, it was not a very enjoyable one, apart from the the, the winner at the end. Yeah, I think sometimes that kind of shows, like, based on the, like, you're on a adrenaline, you're a bit on mm. a high because you've won, but when you take a step back, you can see that the cracks are there, you know. Exactly. There's, like, in there's the moment, I don't care. Like, in the moment, yeah. I'm like, who cares, of bro? Course. You won in the last minute. But once the, the, the rush sort of dies down, you're like, oh, man. Like, we were quite you rubbish. The <laughs> you're like, oh, my God. That song goal, like, whole, the whole line went to sleep. Like, 
Like, like, that was a horrible line, you know, if you look at the song goal. We have to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) How can we not? (laughs) Ben Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll let Lionel give his thoughts first. Yeah, so uh, I think speaking about cracks, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I I just wanted to ask you, I think it, it should be quite, like, ubiquitous by now. Like, everywhere you see on social media... We see the Van Dyke memes, whether he's on the surfboard, People love to in, the, Van Dyke, in, uh, in the on the surfboard or in the Matrix yeah. or, or or doing some ballet or whatever. Like yeah, yeah. honestly, I think um I just want to hear from you as a Liverpool fan. Like mm. I even I even sent the meme to like some of my friends who are Liverpool fans, right? And they were like, uh, one of my friends was like, "Wow, Konate had to carry Van Dyke." So like I think um you know an an ACL injury to any any defender or, or na- any player, right? I think it takes a, a, a toll on them physically and also mentally. So, like, do you think that Van Dyke will ever um, be back to the, the yesteryears of that Van Dyke that we know? Who, like, I mean, as as much as we poke fun and say that, that Van Dyke defended with his aura, but he really did. He and, was like, a wall. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and, he, and yeah. when he defended with his aura back then, you could really tell that there no was like a legit force field, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, now, yeah. but now it's like, dude, it's become a meme, man. <laughs> a bit of a meme, yeah. I, I, I will pour some water on that because, yeah, like it's, if we look at the highlights, yes, he got roasted a few times, but he also made some really big interventions at three one. So I gotta give him props for that. But, uh, at the moment, right, if you were to tell me. Who is Liverpool's best centre back? It's 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 Ibrahima Konate, mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind. Um, and with Van Dijk, right? To answer your question, I don't think we will ever get the Van Dijk of eighteen, nineteen, nineteen, twenty again. I think. Let's also not forget Van Dijk is like you know, sort of in his. I think if he didn't have the ACL injury, he'd be in his prime now. He's like thirty one. Usually for defenders, that's kind of the age. He's lost a yard of pace and I think he's really feeling it. Because I think a year ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, Perisic does not outpace him. And I know Perisic is quick, but Van Dijk is probably one of the quickest centre-backs in world football of the last five years. But he really struggled to get there. And it's because he struggled, he like just slipped and like, <laughs> it was quite comical la. like there was a there was like a moment like of lag he like slipped Perisic looked up and he's like okay cool I have a free cross <laughs> and he just chips it in for Kane uh, so I think to see Van Dijk back at his best right we need to I don't think we can play such a high line anymore if we want to stick with the high line we may have to go for someone who who has the pace because Van Dyke, right? Uh I'm not sure if he can keep up with the fastest in the league anymore. Like if if you if let's say we talked about Mudrik earlier, right? And I think he's one of the quickest guys in the league right now. If you put Mudrik on his shoulder, long ball over the top, I don't think Van Dyke's getting to him. Maybe a year might be able to nudge him off the ball. But uh it it we'll see how big of uh, importance the Van Dyke question takes for Liverpool in the summer. 
because the midfield no matter it's the first priority no matter what and then second priority it's whether we can get a defender who who is an upgrade right because we're talking about Guardiola which is way too expensive Jurian Timber is someone I like from Ajax PC centre back as well can play right back um but yeah it, it's tough lah for Liverpool fans I think to see the slow degradation of of one of your best player skill set same with Fabinho Fabinho like has lost that spring um so we may have to solve not completely phase them out but but offer quality replacements for the two of them yeah your yeah. team needs a, a good refreshing as well yeah 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 man but, but where's the money coming from <laughs> It's always the age-old well, question know, with, with I don't Liverpool. Know, bro. We but need to we need to break the piggy bank. <laughs> do you do you think do you think that um in the next transfer window, everyone is gonna head to the department store known as Brighton, <laughs> FC. I and mean, just, and just get their slim. We we got Brighton fans. We gotta talk just, about just enjoy the right. Don't <laughs> buy any jerseys with printed names because it's very likely that the big hitters won't be there next season. But do you need uh, them? Look at the result they just got. Come I still on. think you do. Like you remember Leicester, like when they were when they won the league, they got picked apart too and never really recovered. Mm, uh, I know true. Brighton have a good track record. Uh, their recent scouts and signings, but when you lose your spine, right? When you lose, I expect Caicedo to leave for big money. I think the thing about Brighton is they have to be careful not to sell all at one shot. I don't think they will, and I don't think they have to. Let's yeah. not forget they still they're still licking their lips from that Grand Porter severance money, the Mark Cucurella money. Yeah, and I feel like I'm missing one. Yeah, the one that went to Arsenal, Trossard. Yeah, Trossard, correct, correct, correct. Yeah, That's these are all like their like their best players. Close to just from sales. Yeah. yeah, I mean the thing will be it will be hard to hold on to players, especially people like McAllister who is seen to and and obviously their star player. Mitoma as well like everyone will be eyeing these guys but if they can hold on to them for like a, another season while they reinvest that money that we just talked about I think as long as they're wise to do that and they seem to have a very good recruitment base um, I don't know how they're picking their players from and from what league but like that new guy the really young one from South of, yeah that guy's got I mean don't wanna I mean it's just one game it could be overhyped but he looks like how do they keep finding these guys? Like it's crazy. It's just their scout <laughs> is like just going to like random like <laughs> under <laughs> under nineteen games. Like the the pitch is like pretty much a potato field. And then once you put them on like good grass, they're like whoosh, really fast, right? Really right. quick. Yeah, I mean, I like, think there's a certain mm. beauty and fun in not just football but like major sport where you discover the diamond in the rough and you mold them. It was you know a little it, bit like um Saints a while ago before Saints started yeah, aging. When something they, in the South Coast. Yeah, it's when just like maybe it's the water. Is that season <laughs> where they had like Lana and when they first came up, right? And then all their players got picked out from, from that team. I mean United Correct. took Shaw, for example, and they got picked apart. Mostly most went to Liverpool, but yeah. I, I think, I as, think long as, as, as long as Brighton don't panic and do a, like the same mistake that a lot of these like Leicester Southamptons did right like just because you make 80 million from a player doesn't mean you need to buy 
an overpriced equivalent for the same money. Like, if they can keep their scouting up and they can keep finding these gems, right, they're going to be in a great position. But more than that, they have to hold on to their manager. I think that's the important yeah, one. He's the one right. that if they lose, um, that's right. That's gonna be tricky. Yeah, I, I think, I think the Zerbi, it really depends, right? Because if you're a manager now, it's so dangerous. Like, like you have a bad half a year spell, you might lose the opportunity, and you might get sacked. So, I think if he gets a big offer from Serie A, he might go. But, yeah, I, I he might also decide to. Give give it a crack with Brighton in in the Europa League, or if they somehow make the UCL, you know, or, or certainly if they make the UCL, he'll stick around. But maybe even the Europa League. Mm. Mm. Before we start talking about the the sort of top four, the scene right now, right? Uh, anything about Spurs because could have been a magnificent result, could have gone some way into. Apologizing to the fans for that six-one debacle, but they just—they just can't seem to get it over the line. You know, you do all that hard work, you make, you write the script for yourself, and then of course it's—it's it's a mistake from their own player. On top of that, it wasn't like a worldie from Liverpool's end. It was—it was pretty lucky, if I'm being honest. They just can't, but they—they just can't get catch a break at the moment. You know, like I like think they caught a just small summed break. Up Spurs to a T. They caught a small break, uh, on Friday when they drew with United. I think that was their little break, cause like before that they were just they, they were they getting no... like really pummeled in the beginning. Uh, yes, I think United. they they have a really I don't know what is up with Spurs, but their first half seems yeah, to be diabolical. They, they can't get going. Yeah, nah, it's like it's like they don't start their engine until the second half. Until they're like two or three nil down, right? And then yeah. and then something happens. I I don't know what it is, but I mean you saw it, and mm-hmm. and uh, the result against United was proof of that as well. Like suddenly they switch on, it's almost like they you know like those animals like they play dead, and then all of a sudden it's like super alive, and you're just like I'm not prepared for this. I I had I didn't know that you had this much life in you, or maybe they're just saving their energy, but they. They come at For you what? with a lot of running. Why are you saving know. the energy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. But like at the beginning, yeah. like their first half is it usually like they're so way. sluggish. It and like it's way. like they're like, who's marking who? No one knows what's the plan. Then they get picked apart so easily. I think the, the, the issue with United was that we didn't try to capitalize and score more to, to create some daylight. But like we've seen with you guys as well, 3 0 even then is like not enough daylight. <laughs> They oh can come God. back. I, so. I was so close to hiding from social media for like the week, but yeah. Shout yeah. out Spurs, man. Sorry, so you, Lina, you know, you're gonna... you, Yeah, you know how you mentioned that um Spurs seems to be the team that it's like it's like a possum, right? Play dead in the first half and then back to life in the second half. You know the funny thing is that in at the other corner of North London, it's the other it's way the around. Opposite, yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> it, the Arsenal starts off with a bang and then in the second half they are dead. To be fair, it's only just kicked in. Like they've not been that way the whole season. Spurs have been this way the whole season. I remember, uh, like before the World Cup break, there was this match against Bournemouth. I think they eventually they wound up winning that game, but they were like trailing for large parts of that game, and they never seemed to have fixed that. So mm-hmm. when they are good, I I think this Spurs side. There is something there. The next manager, whoever comes in, right? There is something to work with. But 
I think they do need a, a they do need to freshen up in especially central defense, in goal, and uh, you may agree or disagree, but I think it's time for it's time to say bye to Kane, and I know this sounds like blasphemy because you're like why are you selling your like biggest threat, but I think in a way it's like you gotta you gotta take that money while you still can on Kane and reinvest it into the team and, and reinvest it wisely. Like, do not make the mistake of getting another Roberto Soldado or, you know, all these jabronis who they, <laughs> they bought after they sold Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the, that's the issue, isn't it? Like, you look at what Liverpool did and they are a good example. You sell one Coutinho and then you invest wisely. Oh, we and then you have we lucked out, yeah. It wasn't Barca just luck, though. Gave us two trophies. I it mean, wasn't luck, but but we did. I mean, yeah, it wasn't luck, but at the same time, I don't think we're ever gonna get as big of a transfer fee for any player like we have right now. Yeah, but what you said on Kane makes sense because, like, look, you could keep Kane, but he's not gonna. This current team is not gonna. Dude is like anything. the most loyal guy on the planet. <laughs> yeah. At at this point, it's it's like a what's the point already? Like we, if you're a Spurs team, like even if even if you're like Daniel Levy and you look at Kane and you see your current team, he scores you so many goals and you've seen that, but it's not enough because the rest of the team isn't good enough. Like you need to have a strong defense to win a title, and this Spurs team has like. No I think in a way they're defense. too over reliant on him, man. They just they think he'll when carry things the go team. wrong. They just look up and like it's almost like they're like looking at him with puppy dog eyes and like yo bro please bail us out do yeah. your thing and I'm like sometimes you need to cut the cord what yeah, but I mean, Spurs without Harry Kane you know I like, mean you could you say the same thing for of. for like Messi at Barca though there were times where they, Barca themselves looked a bit lost they would just look up and then Messi bails them out mm. uh, we're not gonna sit here and say that Barca had a team that was strong all the time you know what I mean like Messi really carried that team and in the same way Kane's been doing that except the rest of the team is just not strong enough or the EPL is too strong of a league for... I mean, think of it. If Spurs was in a weaker league, for example, maybe, you know, they came close once or twice to to, to uh, winning, but they weren't there yet. But in the EPL, you look at the other teams around you, you look at City, obviously, um, it's just there's just no chance that with your current squad that Spurs have that they can compete for any sort of titles here with... With um with just having the reliance on Hurricane, so yeah, I agree with you. I think he's got to go, and they have to reinvest. But this is gonna be quite a long project, yeah. big time. Like mm-hmm. Spurs have been in transition for ever, what feels like two years now, but it seems a lot longer than two years. It's like after the Champions League final with Liverpool, right? You saw Liverpool go in an upward trajectory, won the league, pushed City to don't know what what ninety whatever points, ninety seven points. But then Spurs, right, after winning the Champions League, never reinvested. So many of their key players just went, dived off a cliff. And now they're just sort of realizing the gravity of, of the the cleanup job that has to be done. I think, yeah, it's, it's key positions that are really hurting them. Like, we saw what Van Dijk and Ellison did to Liverpool when they came in. And I think Spurs need to really invest in a top centre-back to partner Romero because I think Romero while I think he has deficiencies he's the best centre-back they have right now and obviously Loris you need to replace him with someone 
top quality as well because we've seen how important goalkeepers can be so I don't think Spurs are miles off but they need a di- they need a proper sense of direction no more chopping and changing like if not they're just going to be set back another 5 years but that starts with a good managerial appointment exactly which is why but isn't it crazy like they've for, had as much as it is for Chelsea it is so important they've had so many big name managers right and right. probably the biggest one just left but the irony is that Yes, uh, Mourinho and Conte are two of the biggest names, two of the most successful, right? But they never stay at a club very long. It almost seemed like Levy was trying to cheat the process. He was like, shit, man, let me just get the two... Instant success managers. ...winners, <laughs> and, you know, we'll win something, but uh, clearly they were not on the same wavelength as the players. So, Nagelsmann is, has not completely killed the rumour so mm. it's a tough one I think Nagelsmann will need to be properly backed I think he has interesting ideas but my worry for me is that he you know he's not given the time to incorporate these ideas and he just gets swallowed up spit out and then he's back to square one and Kane is a year older and Son is a year older you know yeah 100% yeah. but like you mentioned those two should probably go. He shouldn't be building his team around them. They should sell those two. Or, okay, maybe at least one. Use that money to invest in at least two or three positions if it's possible. And then kind of just go from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's their yeah, best yeah. kind of chance. Yeah. Mm. Do you um, think they're out though of the running for I Europe? Yeah. I do. Uh, I thought they were out after getting smashed by Newcastle. Even the draw against United, I, I didn't think much of it. I think Spurs probably fifth spot is is what they're fighting for now. Okay. As are Liverpool, to be fair. Like I'm not gonna sit here and pretend Liverpool are like gonna sneak into the top four, but we certainly kept our hopes alive. But I think for Spurs they just need to see the season out and and, and try to Secure at least the Europa League. I don't think the Conference League again would, especially if they're going to be in a rebuilding phase. It's going to be tough to attract the quality they need if they are in the Conference League. I think um, speaking about top four, I think mm. United, like for us, we did pretty well this weekend to kind of like secure Jordan, a little right? bit. Yeah, just just like you know, against against a Villa team, right? Who yes, are also I would have said, team, yeah. yeah, I mean. Looking at their points, if Villa had gotten uh, the win over us instead, um, they would be firmly in fifth place, actually. So hey, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and that would be right on the tails of I us. I have no qualms about United's home form. I think they are one of the best. They, this is something that they struggled to do under Reinick and Oli. You yeah. know, they really struggled at Old Trafford for some reason. But under Ten Hag, they seem to have made it a fortress again. They're not smashing teams 4-0 every week, but, you know, whenever United play at Old Trafford, I feel, like, confident that they will get away. They I will mean, go away with the three points. Just bringing it back to what you said a bit earlier mm. about game management, their game management at, at Old Trafford is is pretty good. I think that's the difference. Like, in away games, they look a bit nervy. They don't look like they know how to close games out, but at home they it's look Fred much more Red, reassured. <laughs> yeah, it's Fred the Red giving them good vibes. <laughs> I think so. I think it really does help to have like that big of a, a crowd behind you and 
they just tend to move the ball a bit quicker, play a bit better at home. So that's reassuring. But I think the the game against Villa was a bit surprising to me. I thought Villa, in the form that they were in, would be a bit more of an attacking threat. But they also looked a little bit nervy at times. Uh, I, I think, think the Villa bubble has started to burst a little bit. Really? Yeah, I think they've, they've, they almost like... Th- there was a win against record. Newcastle and then suddenly everyone was talking about them. I think that was the point where they peaked. Really? Like, oh shit, now suddenly people expect us to... Yeah, I think... They're, Wait, but I'm not like saying besides, they're going to capitulate. Besides the, uh, the Newcastle win, I mean, they mm. also got a result against... Okay, yeah, the runs have, like, were the Fulham recently. They drew after Newcastle, I think. Yeah, they against Brentford. Brentford. Yeah. yeah. But overall, I mean, they've been in pretty good form. They fun. can be very proud, though, of what they've Unai done. Unai Emery has been doing yeah, a Yeah, they'll, they'll be one of the teams that will be pushing next season, especially if they recruit smartly in the, in the, in the summer. I think the Emery appointment and, like, what we're seeing happen to Palace as well is the reason why so many clubs in the EPL change their managers because they're hoping for to go on a run like what these guys have done yeah this like amazing just the way they turn around their club and all of a sudden you go from worried about relegation to we can almost get a a spot in Europe I think that's the case for Villa Um, for Palace I think it was also to just get out of relegation but now they are definitely pushing up I think they've left it a bit too late to, to hope for anything else and they probably don't have that team to to really challenge in Europe but like they've been playing some good stuff under Hodgson as well Palace so uh, and they picked up a good I result over the weekend I, that, that's still a sentence in 2013 <laughs> they played some good stuff under Hodgson <laughs> to the geezer man you know he's, why he's, he's I, doing his thing his thing is basically telling them to do their thing like he's not <laughs> trying to teach them tactics he's not trying to over complicate things like perhaps what uh, Vieira was trying to do trying to introduce a new style. He's just like, guys, you are really talented. Go out and score some goals. You know what I mean? Like they're playing a much more free flow style of football, and and we've always known that they have, they've had some really talented players like your Eze's, Elise's, and Zaha. And then mm-hmm. they've all been. They're all quite. If you, if I could think about it, they're all a bit like um Mavericks a little bit. Uh, they all have this uh, ability to take on players, and they're all very attacking minded. So when you just tell them just go ahead and attack I think that's where you get the best out of them and I think it's very refreshing yeah, oddly to say <laughs> coming yeah, out from like yeah. that your manager is like most people's grandfather's age <laughs> yeah man it's managerial bouncers are one of the weirdest phenomena in the sport and this is actually like kind of well it's not confirmed yet but on the topic of like new managers right we're gonna see Ooh. a return of one of the goats Big Sam, Sam Allardyce, <laughs> looks like for all intents and purposes, will be taking over at Leeds for the last four games. Uh, last time he was in the Prem was 2021 with West Brom, actually. I, I've totally forgot about that stint uh, until we started just prepping for the podcast. Uh, what are your, like, Lionel, your thoughts on this appointment? Do you think it had to happen or do you think it could do more harm than good for an already beleaguered lead side to to be honest right I think um, I, I think we were chatting offline just before the podcast right uh, of um, you know how leads um, they are so poor recently I think I if I'm not wrong right they 
I'm not sure if it how true is this, but I've heard that Leeds has broken the record of conceding the most goals in a calendar month. So I yeah, I think so I so, so I think it was like about 20 something 20 odd goals. And like I think it honestly that kind of form, right? It just screams for like termination, right? So I, I, I don't recall how Big Sam plays his football because he has not been in the Premier League for quite a while. But I think um you know it's worth a punt. But I will still say that um Leeds Oh my goodness. Are team. I'm looking at Leeds final four yeah. games. Man mm-hmm. City away, Newcastle at home, West Ham away, and then Spurs at home. Yeah, so it kind of seems like Leeds are at, at this very precarious position where yeah. um you know they have to like pull a rabbit out of the head. Um you know the 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 fixtures they just mentioned, I think it's really difficult for them to conjure up like a win, but they have to do it at some point, right? And I think big, you big know, Sam to swing the title race. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and you know, you know, um, like like you said, new manager bounce works in mysterious ways. So yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe Big Sam could come in and 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 go back to like a very very traditional type of football and like um play defensively deep and then you know just slowly played out or I don't know how he could just do something you know like we didn't expect a Roy Hodgson team to score so many goals so you know we'll never know what this appointment could lead to but Leeds are in really really deep water now they are, they are in some serious trouble and you know if, if, I mean they need a, a really good manager to help them survive now and I think um, the, the saving grace for Leeds sorry to cut you off but the saving mm-hmm. grace for Leeds is that the teams around them are like also struggling. Really bad. Yeah, I I remember yeah. I remember we were like saying that you know, um, the a survival a survivalist for for teams who are battling relegation. Sean Dyche, he mm. his team is now is also struggling as well. And I thought like they, I I I thought that where um, I would say Bournemouth is at now would be where Everton should have been. But yeah. you know, it's funny how um things are, are not as it seems. Uh. So, yes. you know. Scott, so, Scott Parker, the biggest fraud. Yeah. They don't and, need and, him, man. <laughs> and, and, I, and I think, like, um, I mean, this is a bit premature, but, you know, a huge shout to, like, Gary O'Neill, who has yeah. revived the Bournemouth season, man. Like, they are on the same points as Chelsea, which is remarkable. A team that got bashed, more, like, 9-0, nine, nine, nine right? Chelsea, by the way. A team that got Although bashed, 9 new. Games, but yeah, A team that got bashed, 9 new by Liverpool. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Who are looking quite comfortable. They've now, been in so. the trenches for sure, but they've dug deep. They've they've gotten very important wins, and I think they are safe now. I I think my the magic number for me this season will be thirty five points. I think mm-hmm. if you get thirty five and above, you'll be fine. With the four games left, that's like a win in two draws, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Everton Leicester played last night. Didn't do each other any favors so very like heard it were i heard it was a performance that should have relegated both sides <laughs> <laughs> like both just deserve to go down after that uh this is one of the tightest relegation battles that i can remember in recent memory i don't know if if you guys think the same way I'm yeah. looking at from 15th to 20th. I think Wolves are just about safe. I know, yes, they got dismantled by Brighton just this weekend, but I think their 37 points should 
should be enough uh, with their goal difference as well. I think West Ham, one more win and they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Although there'll be a huge inquest into what went wrong for them this season. I think it's between right now, uh, Southampton probably done as well. I think West Ham, Leicester, Leeds, Forest and Everton, five of them for two spots. Yeah, five of them for two spots. And I honestly couldn't tell you who's going down because they all look like they have tough fixtures and they all are in horrendous form. I think it's amazing so, to see three teams all tied on the same points with the same it's games nuts, played. Dude. Yeah. It's so wild. It's crazy. Um, yeah, man. And, and Southampton really should be in that mix as well. I think they've thrown away some big points in the last month or two. You look at the Man United-Southampton game, right? We go back to that. I think that was a huge missed opportunity for Southampton, playing the game mm-hmm. with an extra man for like, what, 60 minutes? Yeah, the Casemiro sending off, right? They they should still be in with a chance, but I think being six points behind and having an inferior goal difference to the aforementioned teams on all on 30 points, I think it's going to be too, too... Yeah, I think they won't have enough. So I can say Southampton probably down. And Everton would need to rely on your home form. But they play Man City at home. So I don't... <laughs> that <laughs> doesn't bode very well for them. And their other home fixture is Bournemouth on the final day. The the good thing for them is that Bournemouth might be safe by then, so um, that could be the game that saves them. That could be the game that saves them, but uh, I think this one goes to the final day. I didn't think it would, but I think now it goes to the final day. You, you know, yeah. um, I, I think um, after this um, week of many double game weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on many double games, um, the next team that Leeds play is City at the Etihad. I think that's like a fixture where the entire CD team and all their fans are licking their lips. I think honestly, it could go to like 5 or 6 or even 7 at this rate. But of course, I think, um, you know, we'll never know how a, a new manager appointment could, could swing uh, things in a different way. But Leeds are looking really, really... Uh, in a very very dangerous they did spot, big sam dirty la, let's put it this way like yeah yeah did big yeah, sam dirty it's but like i mean he sam- doesn't have to join but he mm-hmm. does which is weird i mean he's been out of a job for so long i think he wasn't gonna pass up the chance to to take know. a team down <laughs> i mean if they go if they go down like who cares like he's like he'll just be like oh, at four games what do you want me to do and yeah. off the four games two of them were against city and newcastle but if he keeps them up He's a hero. Hey man, it's a feather in yeah. his cap. I mean, it's just what he does. <laughs> it's just what he... I mean, it would be nice he if gone he down had before? the 100% record. Oh no, he, he had down. West Brom. Ah. West Brom was the only blemish on his record. Right. Um, if not, he was the true escape artist. <laughs> I know, right? And, and just for fun, right? I wanted to ask the two of you, mm-hmm. who of the five I mentioned would you... I won't say like because it's kind of evil, but who would you be most okay with going down? Like, you're just like, eh, it is what it is. Mm. It's a tough one. We're looking from 15 down, uh, so West Ham, Leicester, Leeds, Forest, Everton. Mm. 
to be to be frank, I think I think I did mention before, right? Like Leicester is a team that um I feel like we've been talking about Leicester being yeah. trash for like the whole season. Yeah, but it, it seems like they you know you they always bring up whenever we talk about Leicester, they always we always have this um picture of the, the, the season where they won. I think it was in the twenty fifteen season. Yeah. I think that was a really impressive Leicester, but to see that they are currently struggling to to get out of the relegation battle, right? I think it, it really sums up their season. They need a hard reset. Mm-hmm. It's just whether it's in the Prem or it's in the Championship. Yeah, may- maybe sometimes um, you you know, uh, all good things come to an end, but maybe it could turn their fortunes around, you know, in the Championship. I don't know. Tough sell, uh, tough sell. I mean, West Ham and Newcastle have gone down before and they've come back up. So, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock me for that to happen, but I don't know. I think they will... And it's ironic that they play West Ham at home on the final day. I think that's the game that will save them. Yeah, but but I maybe to answer... But I, think, but I think to answer your question, right, mm. I I I'll say the main difference between one of these teams, which I'm going to to, to say that they should go down, Versus the others is that this team has the luxury to spend so much money and get so many players, but Forest, they are still uh. <laughs> at eight, and they are still at eighteenth. And I honestly yeah. think, think Forest should go down because they have had, they 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 have had so much money to spend, and but they are but they are still struggling. And like the I think the certain players that they got, I think they just don't fit the profile of the team. So I just want it, to know what was the plan with Forrest this season. Because yeah, it just didn't seem like there was a plan for the longest time. Isn't the yeah. plan for anything that just comes up to stay up at least? That's the plan, isn't I it? mean, yeah lah. <laughs> but I was thinking in terms of like recruitment and the style of play, like... It, because... It, it, yeah. It's it, like, it didn't I, seem like they took anything good from the championship season. They like completely mm-hmm. wanted to reinvent the wheel and I'm like... Well, with all these uh, acquisitions, surely like they're gonna take time to get used to each other, right? I I feel like Forest, right? It kind of like reminds me of when a parent give their their little kid fifty dollars, and then say you can buy whatever you want. So he immediately runs to like the candy section and just buys everything. And he blows like forty nine dollars in ten minutes, and he's like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. I, I, I only have one dollar left and I found something I like the most. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, which is like Morgan Gibbs White. <laughs> oh he, yeah, he's I been like good him. though. I yeah. like him, yeah. Yeah. And and then that, that is the like the only candy that he like amongst the other candies that he doesn't like. So Yeah, that's like Forrest in a nutshell, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. La. I, I I would like to see Forrest join Everton in that bottom three. Mm-hmm. Cause I I also don't I, I I understand that uh, Forest, you know, are a big club with a lot of tradition. I myself was excited when they got promoted because I think since I've started watching football, I've not seen Forest in the Premier League. Yet I keep hearing about this club and like Brian Clough and all this. But yeah, the way they sort of like handled themselves and dealt with... They're like the complete reverse of Bournemouth, right? Bournemouth like broke, you know, a lot more team spirit, I feel. I think Forest. Apart from their draw it, um, Man City, it's been all L's of late. Mm-hmm. They beat Brighton somehow, but uh, the last four games aren't looking good. La. 
and I think they will only have themselves to blame if and when they go down. But their running is not as as tricky as Leeds and Leicester's. I mean, you go up against Southampton, who I think are a worse team than they are. Chelsea's, I won't say they're there for the taking, but like we just mentioned, they don't have much else to play for. The only tricky game is Arsenal. And then you have a maybe a better team in Palace, but like like we've seen, if they can conjure up something against Brighton, they may be able to get something against Hot and Cold Palace. So that this I look at their four games and I think that I they just can have still no pick up something. In Forest away from home, though, That's I think Forest the only points they get in this running is the next one against Southampton. Which may be, be enough. enough, right? Because what are Leicester and Leeds going to get out from their next four games? Nothing. Much. I wouldn't be shocked if Leicester beat us, dude. <laughs> uh. Typical nonsense result. Uh. You, know, you, know, you know what would be so interesting? If um, in the next game when Forrest plays Southampton, Southampton beats them. Yeah, and then man. When, when Southampton when South plays Fulham, who are technically, you know, they're already Safe. on the beach. Fulham beats South them as well. Fulham beats them as well. And then it's like we have four teams. Or, or like five teams and like thirty, that would yeah. be so interesting. Wow, that would make for yeah. the the best. <laughs> I just think final Southampton day. have lost too many crunch ties. They lost to Bournemouth, lost to West Ham. Uh, lost to Wolves. Like they they lost to all the teams that are around them, which I think will ultimately be their downfall. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that Forest Southampton game, man, huge, huge, huge implications. I think Southampton could mathematically be relegated. Could they? Six. Wait, South Southampton is the team that has an annual implosion, right? Guess who? Yeah, guess guess who they play at the right at the end of the season? They play Liverpool. Yeah, but they play they play <laughs> us away. <laughs> I have zero faith in Liverpool away as well, but. I, I'm with you. If they are down by then, I could see it being a bloodbath uh, if, they are, if they don't take it seriously. But, you know, if they play for pride, I, I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, I, I even me trying not to, you know, curse, Liverpool, curse or jinx Liverpool, I would say that we, we have to beat them on the final day. Um, which would be ironic seeing as they've been our feeder club for so many years. So, Apologies in advance if we really do put the final nail in the, nail in the coffin. One last read. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're taking anyone what, from what them before they go down. <laughs> <laughs> Lavia, dude. Let's go. Romeo, Lavia, and it's you. But mm. um, Everton, man. That's the one that I think would be the most funny, but also the most... Uh, how do you put this? Just like surreal, right? Because I think Everton probably like uh in terms of overall success, more successful in the league than Forest, but they are probably the two that are more successful uh, down there. It's just gonna be weird if Everton are in there next season. I think I don't think I've ever seen Everton in the in the lower division since I've been watching football. And I don't think they've actually been relegated. I could be wrong, but I, I think that was a big talking point. Yeah. Like how they have this proud history. So my goodness, man. But the saddest thing about Everton is that they've just not looked like an Everton team. I think that's it. Because Everton are a team that's kind of been known to when 
like shit hits the fan and you're not really a, a real like um pretty footballing team they just are hard grafters they 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 play with their like um you know their hearts on their sleeves and stuff like that this Everton team have been pushed over so much this season they don't look like they have much of a goal scoring threat i can't even tell you who is their main striker because like it used to be like you used to be able to say like dcl um yeah, who else occasionally richardson <laughs> i'm yes i mean let's say he was good for them but like you look once they sold by selling him right they have literally kind of like put the nail in their own coffin you know what i mean like there, there goes their only goal threat without them they've been very and they ruthless. didn't reinvest it yeah they, i mean they, they didn't spent they like sent a it, fraction of that a more pay yeah but come on like and be serious <laughs> yeah they are trying to put all their um hopes on like a attacking winger in the mari gray to score the occasional banger but what that that's not that's not a tactic like that's not a strategy like to just yeah, hope that he bangs one in every other game because the rest of the team is just has not been good enough, I think, and and that r- small manager bounce from um, Daesh coming in was probably the only kind of good thing that we've seen in the last two months or so. So, I I think that's it for them, and yeah, I I think, you know, I I think I will play the devil's advocate, and I think that forests stay up by mm. the skin of their teeth. So I think it's Southampton, Everton down, and then it's one or of Leeds. I really can't decide who is worse out of like they're all so bad, dude. The thing about like, the Leeds and Leicester thing is, I feel that if there is any manager bounce, then Leeds get out. But but their matches look tough, so that's very difficult. Leicester's are equally tough. I can I just see, do not I have can confidence. Yeah. In Leeds keeping any clean sheets. You know what? Even I think Sam they can nice. both they can both end on the same points and it'll be go different. That would be just fun. Imagine right? like all, all I these think they lose all the rest. Don't win, yeah. don't win any games and until it stays the end of the season. Exactly. If if that's the case though, then uh oh then it's Forest that goes. That might be the lowest difference. surviving points tally ever, eh? Thirty. Oof. That yeah, like but it shows how bad the whole bottom group has been. Yeah, man, it's it's and there are some really surprising names in there. I think thirty five. I, I I stand by thirty five being the magic number, but uh, yeah, man, we'll have to see. Watch, watch West Ham. Watch West Ham get like uh European uh spots next season because they always Just do this. The they're they're league, right? they're like, re- <laughs> but they always do this. They're like relegation and then top. Six, then relegation, then top six, right? I remember the the yeah the biggest yo yo club. The FA Cup that got relegated. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really bizarre. But West Ham. Oh Imagine man. getting relegated and winning Europa. You want to talk about tough run-ins? West Ham have the Manchester clubs back to back. Damn. And then Brentford away. Okay, no, Brentford away is not the hardest. Brentford away is. Nah. <laughs> Ivan Tony, you know, he wants to get as many goals before he's suspended for life. Nice, and then they have Leeds and Leicester. Wow, Leeds and Leicester, dude, they are like, oof. Win it Those and you're safe. Lose games. it and yeah, that's it. I that's why I think West Ham will be fine. They have it in their own hands. Yeah, and they have like a freaking European semi-final sandwich between all this madness. So, yeah, man, tough one. 
Mm. I just can't wait. Like, <laughs> that's why I. The league would not be the same if there wasn't the the relegation battle because it's just so intense, man. This and is we why we can't have a super league. Exactly. Unless, like, you have a Super League A and a Super League B. <laughs> the team's getting relegated. The less Super League. <laughs> yeah, the the, the, the the sort of Super League. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I guess, Chelsea, like, we... Man, so clo- we, are, we were so close. Who? Oh. To the Chelsea relegation fight, but, yeah, nine points is a bit of a stretch. Nah, the, the other teams have it much worse than Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel, man, save that club. That those nine points proving real, real helpful right now. Uh, so on the relegation note, right? Uh, we'll just do a quick fraud and boss watch for this week. Uh, I think because there were also fewer games played, like we still have a couple to to come. But um, off the top of our heads, who who we got? I already have mine locked and loaded, and I BK BK said the same name. So really, you guys is it is know. it your namesake Pascal Grob? <laughs> well, why he he did he, well, right? Yeah, he came up yeah, with he, a brace. He, he, he scored no, like a crazy goal, man. Yeah, a Grob. crazy goal, yeah. Grob. Grob Grob Gang. Dude. Can Can I also ask, like, why does mm-hmm. he keep changing his name from, like, the English spelling of gross to? Does he? Yeah, I thought it's always been like Grob. <laughs> no, but his current shirt says Gross. Oh wow! Maybe he got pissed off at people calling him Grob, Grob. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Brighton ran out of like the special wow. like special yeah, letters special character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His shirt says Gross now, which is strange. I swear, in this season alone, right, Gross has played in defense and in midfield and in attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man's yeah. is like the ultimate utility player. The German Milner. He's like Pep's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey man, who knows? Maybe he gets a big move. The grob. Wait, so if it's not grob, who is your? My 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 watch gotta be Richarlison, bro. <laughs> He's like cursed. Every time he takes off his shirt, something horrible happens. Uh, it's the chicken. If yeah, y'all, if we watch the game together, uh, y'all should have screenshot my face and like hung it up in a museum when he scored. It was Why? like a combination of rage, confusion, and like. <laughs> I was feeling all the stages of grief like at once. It was like acceptance, anger, and like denial, denial all at the same time. And then it changes into happiness because it just minutes later. Oh, I, I think I woke up my neighbors, man. I just screamed, bro. <laughs> Didn't give a shit. I'm surprised, like you guys. I, it was quite late to be fair, so I, I you guys missed like a complete shit show of a game. Uh. But yeah, man, I was just talking to myself in the chat. <laughs> oh, and it was it was that bad. <laughs> like I was like, "Oh, this is too easy." The cash replied. Then I was like, "Yo, our standards are slipping." Then after each goal, I just kept like saying, "Uh, this is bad. This is bad." And then with Charlison Scott, I just like send the sad face emoji. It's <laughs> giving me it's giving me Mark Goldbridge vibes. Straight up, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who y'all got? Maybe mm. from another game if you have uh, other games on show. I mean, Pickford saved the penalty this morning. Huge point for Everton. They lost that game. Uh, I think they'd be like way in way more trouble to be fair. 
Oh, okay. This is not really a fraud watch, boss watch thing, but that um incident that Jota oh right kicks. What's his skip, name? Uh, uh, skip in the face. Skip, right, yeah. Yeah, I big, gave him a big boot. <laughs> That's not a red card, right? Hmm. Uh, I think it's quite evenly split. Lots of, uh, a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say it is, and I've heard a lot of people say it's the intention isn't there, but um, I'm a, I, I can't be like scamming you bad, guys, though. right? Yeah, I've been a big guy of like, big advocate of saying the intention somewhat doesn't matter it's the end result so I, I would say Jota was lucky to not be sent off um, especially him scoring the winning goal but at the mm. same time I think they need to look at the rule again because Skip puts himself in, in danger in a way like but yeah it, it, we can consider ourselves lucky with that one for sure mm. yeah highly debatable um, mm. call that I just kept seeing comments saying if Casimiro did that, he'd be like incarcerated for like 12 years. Oh. <laughs> like he'd be deported to Brazil. <laughs> I I know, I don't think y'all really watched that match that just happened, the United match. But um, I think the ref goes on my, I don't know what to call it. Like he's not really a fraud yet. He's also, he's like a half boss, half fraud. So that whole match, I think he, he's, <laughs> he's a fraud. He... Literally didn't, or he barely gave a foul away. Uh, like he barely like whistled for a, uh, or gave a card, and so that match got super heated. In like the McGinn was being chopped down left, right, and center, and Casemiro was throwing in a lot of um, I would say very hard tackles, agricultural tackles. Mm, like he's just doing some uh, you know, just mopping the floors with, with the Villa players <laughs> and his so that I mean I would say that the pitch was very slippery um, but like the tackles were really hard and both sides were looking for for the ref to kind of like um, either give a foul but half the time the ref was just playing on so I think when they realised that the game was going to be very aggressive it just became super, super aggressive. All out, like an all out brawl. Yeah, and like, so literally when, I guess if you feel like you've been tackled really hard and the ref doesn't give it to you, you just give You're it like, to the okay, next guy, right? We're doing yeah, this. like, oh, yeah, I guess yeah. there's like this, no yeah. rules, right? Yeah. yeah. So that game was like, I think McGinn was literally hacking other players. And the thing about it was when he did it, you you can tell like he's doing it out of revenge, right? And then it looks very spiteful and some of the tackles were very hard. But the ref also didn't give cards. So me as a viewer was really confused because I thought like, oh, okay, we got away with one first. And then McGinn hacks our player and I'm just like, he's that definitely a, a card. And then he doesn't give it either. And so <laughs> the whole game... The stats. <laughs> there were only two yellow cards the whole game. But there could have been at least yeah. like seven <laughs> and maybe a red somewhere in there I don't know it's like 16 fouls from United two yellow cards and then seven fouls from Villa and no cards yeah, yeah. United were really tackling very hard so Damn. it was a it's a very interesting I don't know where to put the ref on this I would say he was consistent in that he didn't give a card at all but there were some that were like really clearly like and and it gets very dicey when you think that you should get a pen you know so there were correct I think there could have been a pen for United as well but because of just how, uh, like, um, lenient the the ref was, he didn't give that as a pen either. So I was just like, okay, I guess there are no rules in this game, and and just continue. So good on the ref for for good kind of old like Brexit Brexit yeah. football. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never seen this ref either. Like Jared Gillett, I I've heard his name before, but 
Yeah, interesting kind of refereeing style. It's just, it's like cage football. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So he's my broad, for the week. That's a that's a first for FKB, a guy who is equal parts fraud and equal parts boss. I love it. <laughs> I think if you stick yeah. to your fraud ways enough, people kind of give you the credit. They're like, man, kind of like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know. For me, I think my my fault of the week has to be when, um, when Liverpool scored a goal and then Jurgen Klopp went to the fourth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Celebrated in front of him and then he pulled his hamstring. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, that that was meme high tier meme quality and like apparently he's gonna get suspended now, uh, which I I'm not surprised. Like I when the, when I saw him chatting shit to the fourth official and like Ryan Mason, I knew like there were gonna be repercussions. Wait, but was that was that after Jota's goal? Yes, it was. Klopp <laughs> is a meme, la. I love Klopp, dude. That, that shit was so ridiculous. It's almost it reminded me of when like Lalana scored against Norwich and like they all celebrated and like got his glasses broken or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for reminding me about that, dude. That's another <laughs> iconic memory that I will not forget. Um, Wait, so honorable honorable mention though. Forrest bottling it in the 94th as well. Josh the Silva for Brentford. I didn't even realise that they, they lost in the last minute, but that that's going to haunt them if they do go down. And, and don't forget, Dezerby's B team <laughs> against yeah. Wolves. Wolves Good are on the beach. La. Yeah. Mm. Tanny Welbeck, bro. What a beast. Aging like wine. Uh, do you all have any other shouts? If not, I think we can wrap up ahead of that big London derby tomorrow. No, but I, I think it's I, it's good I, to yeah. see Diaz back. For oh Liverpool. yeah, man! Oh, dude, tell me about it, bro. I was like, fresh that that goal though. Breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That goal. man. Gakpo is growing into that role. I can't wait to see what he'll be like after a full preseason. Yeah, seems like a. I always thought Gakpo was a bit of a like a meathead footballer just you know skills and tricks and like like an Anthony <laughs> <laughs> hey. I was gonna say like right Anthony's got some goals man <laughs> yeah. and Anthony is just vibes la, like it's <laughs> just vibes bro Anthony but is like uh, your uh, your wish version of um, Iron Robin <laughs> yeah, but, but, but with more but, tricks <laughs> but Gakpo like if he puts on some weight you know, if he gets a bit more of a physical presence, I think he could be an interesting, like, centre-forward slash false nine. I, I I think he has assimilated into Liverpool far better than Darwin has. Not to say da- I think Darwin is a bad player. I think Darwin, we saw the best and the worst of him this year. Um, so, and Klopp sort of mentioned recently that they're still getting used to each other. Because Darwin's style of play is like super direct. Like Darwin cannot play the false nine. La, and Actually, Darwin really plays like Haaland. But I mean, Haaland has more... Bro, uh, I wish Darwin had like half the finishing quality of Haaland, dude. Okay, but finishing I get, I get aside, what you're saying. I get what you're saying. The pace, the, the power, the, the... He wants the same the service yes. that... Yeah, he does. Yep. But Liverpool don't play him that kind of service. I think he could be a force next year if we 
if we sort of tweak uh, our style of play because right now he's not the link up guy and on the left I I wouldn't I wouldn't change what we have right now I would stick with Jota or Diaz on the left just to see out the season so that's because Darwin they're just more they're more the efficient in in finishing than he correct is. yeah yeah it's just a bit more cohesive um but yeah Darwin is a bit of a mystery like I think we'll have to see see how we we uh, cater in a way to to his style of play next season cater <laughs> unless we get <laughs> rip <laughs> yeah unless we get a monster offer for Darwin I could see him actually leaving but I don't think that's going to be the case yeah um shall we wrap boys take us away all right man um yeah Pleasure to have Lionel and Nate on again as well. Uh, I think we had one of these like a few weeks ago, and it was like I remember it being equally as fun. So yeah, shout out to you guys for 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 coming on today. Um, Arsenal Chelsea tomorrow as well. We are going to hopefully pick the bones of that in the next episode. And yeah, for those of you who are staying up, hope it's an entertaining one, and uh, we'll see you in the next app.